Welcome to Blink of an Eye, life stories of trauma, loss, awakenings, and epiphanies, beginning with one mom's journal entries recorded in real time of a catastrophic diving accident rendering her teenage son paralyzed from the neck down and the courageous fight to save his life. Told through unedited text and journal entries and inspiring guest interviews, Blink of an Eye will take you on a powerful journey of advocacy and hope and an unvarnished look at the true nature of our relationships and interconnectedness in the face of an event that changes everything. Well, friends, we're almost there. The start of season two is just one week away. We have some surprises for you and some changes as I begin to share with you the Archer blogs that I had begun writing in week one back in 2015 and my daughter Paula began posting on Facebook on day 10. They were read around the world by as many as 50,000 people daily for a year. Takes my breath away. First, though, before we begin Season 2, we have one more bonus episode for you, and this one is especially meaningful to me from a spiritual standpoint. It's a conversation with my dear friend Loretto Kane, who has worked as an executive at Microsoft for many years, but who also is a member of the Order of Malta, part of the Catholic Church, and who devotes her time to service of the sick. I am blessed to introduce you to Loretto Kane. Loretto is the senior executive producer, global events, studios, and community for Microsoft. And at the time of Archer's accident on August the 5th, 2015, she was still working um, at Microsoft then, been there many years, but she was also the Baltimore region hospitaler for the Federal Association of the Order of Malta. She was also a board member for the Federal Association. And I met Loretto because we are both dames in a wonderful association called the Order of Malta. And as I was piecing things together, Loretto, welcome, welcome. Thank you, thanks for having me. I am honored to have you because in trying to put things back together in a authentic, accurate way, the first message that went out that any of us is aware of by email was from you. And you sent it to the Order of Malta, Baltimore region, and you stylized it, urgent, prayers for Archer Sempt. It reads, conferees, please pray for Archer Sempt, son of Louise, Phipp Sempt, Dame and Deacon Bill Sempt, who suffered a serious accident at the beach today. He will have surgery this evening. As Bill Sempt posted, please pray for our son Archer. He has broken C5 and C6 vertebra in accident swimming at beach today. He will be operated on tonight. Pray for his surgeon and for his complete recovery from the spinal injury. 
Thanks and peace to you. Do you remember that, Loretto? I do. Like I like as you're reading that, I remember where I was in my old home typing that message because I was just so I was so scared for you. I really was. And I was scared but hopeful. I mean, that's why the, the power of prayer, right? So that's why I went and put the urgent meet the, you know, the message out to all of our prayer warriors to to come together and for a, a single message of hope and prayer that that to guide the surgeon's hands and, and to be with you and Bill as well, because you know, what a, what, what a wild ride, right? What a wild ride. It's just so powerful to me how you thought to do that. And also we're in an important position at the time to be able to do that. Well, you know, Louise, I think in our coming together through the order, I, I think we have a very strong shared faith and I, I'm a strong believer in the power of prayer. Um, and and I, I've been witness to it. And so to me, that was the first place I went to when I heard the news of Archer was we have to pray. And, you know, one, one soldier, you know, but you put, you put your whole battalion together and that's, I called on our battalion. You know, we, the power of prayer is, is just mighty full. It's, um, it's really amazing because I have my text um, to you that went to you at 728, just about two hours before that. It said, pray hard, pray very hard. And we know that, don't we? we that, that's what we know. And what I was hoping to talk with you about is thought a lot about this, you know, it's been five years now and we get this interesting opportunity to do a look back that um, we might not have carved out the time to do. And here we are. And I think that's 2020. Isn't it funny? We're in 2020 right now. <laughs> it is. It really is. This is 2020. It's, it's really something um, meant, meant to be then that it happens right now. Um, I think that there perhaps is a tendency for many of us when something really tragic happens to go inward and to get very private. And instead, we went outward to family and friends and our friends like you took it outward so that there, there was something so much larger than we were. And prayer was the, was the thread that held everybody together. It really was. I mean, you know, I, I would say it, from an evangelization perspective, I mean, one is you, are, you and Bill and your family, I mean, you all are just are such love. You really are. You're, you're happy. You're, I mean, I think of you and, and your family and it's joy. And so, and, and, and so it's, it's one of the reasons why I just love you so much. But, but I think that to, when the accident happened, it, it just kind of rocked everyone because we knew that this beautiful family of joy was rocked. And so to me, it was like, it just was an obvious, let's, let's rally the forces here kind of like surround you. But I think different than most people, Louise, is you were so open. 
because you're right. I think a lot of people would say, we'll be in touch or we're gonna kind of gather our nuts and we'll let you know how it is. And from the moment it happened, you kind of put out this, this, um, this openness to say, I need everyone right now. And, and I'm, I'm open to that and I'm welcome to that. And I think we all answered your call. You did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but you know, I tell you, there's something about when you love someone so much, you want to answer that call, you know? And so you gave us the opportunity to show our love for you and Bill and your family by simply, whether it was an email, I mean, it sounds so simple, but I mean, you just such love. Like it's, it's sometimes you don't realize that, you know, they talk about karma, it comes back to you. Your love comes back to you. And like you're drawing your love that you've put out there. That's, this is the time to, to, to bring it back. And, and I think you felt it. I did feel it. And Loretto, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Oh, you didn't have to send that email and you didn't have to respond. And, and, and it, it's true though, that when we love each other, when people care, when there's a caring ethic, we respond to each other. Especially in time of we're, we want to help other people, right? We want it, to think of other people. wired to yeah. help other people. Yeah. I mean, it's in a way, I, I, it's tribal in the sense we're as a human tribe, you know, that we're like, we're just like, hey, we're all in this. And I loved like with COVID and when it first started that everyone kept saying, we're in this together, we're in this together. That is what I think human beings do best in a crisis is they do come together. And yeah. but you, you can't come together and someone unless they open a door and invite you in the room. Mm-hmm. And you did that. You opened the door and welcomed everyone in. And I think that's important to recognize in a crisis is that a closed door can really, it, it can keep that distance. And I felt your energy and I felt like you needed our energy. And so, um, and hopefully that our prayers and our energy helped Archer and all, all of your children. Because I think that Archer suffered that day, but um, so did your entire family, right? Yeah. And, um, and you, I mean, you're, all your children are so beautiful and so good. They're full of joy and love, just like you. They are wonderful. They, they are. are full of joy and love. They really are. It is, it is powerful, I think, for any of us when you, when you know you do not have to question that you're loved. It's very powerful. And um, when, when the call went out, if you will, right, and then was responded to, you're right, Loretto. I felt it. I felt it in my cells. Um, like, like, you know, there was like an awakening, like I knew, and I, and I really, really believe that you were part of something that was being ignited that created a whole energy field of people of all faiths praying, as you also said, with a specific prayer, a specific intention together that created the energy field for Archer to come through this. Well, I I think that there's a lot to be said when you have that collective energy. Yes. I mean, I think that's the power of prayer is that when you ask everyone to pray together, that's a collective energy. Yes. And um, and I think, you know, obviously um, our Catholic faith is important to us, but I, I think that applies to any religion and any depth of any connections is that coming together, I think it's why people have prayers in their religions. It's, it's, a, it's what they do together. 
right? I, I couldn't agree more. In fact, it's always, um, in some ways, it's saddened me if people did not have a faith. You know, I've always, I, I was raised where my, my mom would, would remind me that we're Catholic. And, and she'd say, think of the creed, little c, you know, Catholic. And I remember when I got to high school, asking one of the nuns, you know, what, um, what little c on Catholic men. She was just immediately like, it's universal. It <laughs> it's, it's universal love and forgiveness. And I so loved my family for giving me that message. Like you just said, yes, we're Catholic and, and we're very Catholic. Um, whatever that means, you know, it means we're awful at times, right? <laughs> but, but that it's, you know, God is there. It, the source is there for everyone. You know, everyone's made in that divine image. It's pretty powerful. So when people pray together, I think the, the um, quantum physicists, you know, are beginning to help explain, you know, people who are so, and I can be one of those people, can be so um, yearning, hungry for the scientific answer, you know, to explain these phenomenon, even if there is one, even if there isn't. It's just exciting when you know that collective energy does, does change things that are bleak or polluted or dark to something that is bright and clean and clear. And there are all these scientific experiments about that now. Yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, think about any kind of energy line, right, that gets out there. It has to have clarity in order to keep moving. Like, it has to have a clear line. Um, and I will say, um, your text messages, what, what started off as the text messages and then it moved to email, um, but that was your line to us, right? And then in response back, like, I, you cleared the line by saying you were open to, like, I'm sharing with the reality this this the pain, like the pain was so real and the fear was so real in reading your messages that there was no other way as a, as a human being to respond other than to be like, oh my God, I pray, or I want, or I think, or I, I, I send you my energy, right? And I love the fact that you said you felt it because I think that anyone who got those messages, like I call it the power of the pause, that people got it and they read it and then they paused. Yes. And... And then, and then it was this, what can I do? It was like this exhale of like, what can we do to help this family? What can we do to, to help Archer? What can we do to help Louise and Bill? But that pause is so important, right? Because it gives you that collection of that energy that you have to kind of think how you're going to action it or how you're going to think it or how you're going to put it up, wherever you're going to send it. And, and so the power of the pause to me was, well, there was actually no pausing when I sent that email that one time, <laughs> but, but there is a power in the pause to kind of figure out how you're going to help someone. And I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you felt it from all of us. Yes, we did. And I love the power in the pause mm -hmm. because um, there were so many times when I, I didn't know uh, what to do. Um, I needed to make quick decisions or I needed to 
try and reverse something relatively quickly um, that was much bigger than I was. So, I, and I, I was regularly having to be very discerning and daily asking God to give me guidance. And I believe that that energy field provided the ability for me to pause and be asking regularly, how can I be in alignment with your divine plan? Help me be an instrument. And to sustain that because of all of the collective prayers that were happening. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine, Louise, the number, like I call them shiny objects, right? Like just the balls people are bouncing in the air that you had coming at you, um, both you and Bill, of like in that moment, right? And so the idea that you could kind of collect your thoughts and even put them in writing at that time just shows that you're, you, were, you were channeling something. You were, you were saying, I need to focus and this is how I'm going to do it. And so I think that was to me the power of receiving your text messages and then later the posts or the emails was my admiration for the fact that you could focus and, like, and that's what you were doing. You were like, I need to focus and be clear and be true to this. And then you were sharing the decisions you were making that I just remember reading and thinking, how, how are they making these decisions? Because there's so many of them. And yet you seem to be so, so well-informed or researched or just you'd given the thought, you had asked the right questions. And, and this is what I love about reading those posts that you had is you shared with us the questions you had, the anxiety you had before you would make a decision. So you were so transparent. And so I think being with you on that journey, I, I felt I was like, oh, oh yeah, the, she made the right decision, right? Like, cause you shared with us how you got to that. And I think that that, sometimes you have to walk yourself through to, to maybe convince yourself. But in your case, I think you talked yourself through to get to the right decisions. And I think it was super healthy. I think I, I, think I wrote myself through to yeah. you. <laughs> so I, I am so filled with gratitude that I was able to, I, I remember writing as if I was writing to you. You know, like I'm, I know I'm, I'm writing to, to like all, all of you wonderful people. And um, as if I were in dialogue with you and doing more than just keeping you updated, but asking you to help me make those kinds of decisions. Yeah. In the pause. The pause. I, I was sitting, I was flying from Baltimore to Seattle and I must've been reading one of the, one of the posts. I don't know if it was an email or a Facebook post, but um, I, I just had like a tear coming down my face and this woman, sitting on the plane next to me. She's like, are, are you okay? And I was like, I am. And I shared a little bit about the story about Archer. And she goes, oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. I'm like, oh, do you know this? Sometimes she goes, no, but I read his mother's posts. Wow. And, I, and I said, I just read the one that she posted today, right? And she's like, I pray for that woman and I've never met this family. She goes, those posts, they could happen to anyone. And the way she's handling it, I don't know if I could, and I read it out of such curiosity of the strength this woman has. This is a total stranger on an airplane. Amazing. So it's just think about your words and how they have kind of traveled. And, and Archer's, Archer's story, 
which is so remarkable. And, and, you know, and, and I say remarkable from the pain to his recovery to where he is today, like, like just remarkable, right? Um, but the other remarkable is just the lives that have been touched by the story. Strangers on an airplane, get, getting their strength from your strength. And I just, I, all I could think about when she said that was, like, you must have, like, I, I was thinking, like, she must have some really big challenges herself because she's looking at Louise, like, I could never do that, but man, this woman does, and I'm, I'm just going to keep reading. So it is inspirational, and I think you should be mindful of that, that um, a little bit, too, of the, 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 the outcomes of these kind of situations that happen is that they're unexpected and how the lives they touch, and you've, you've touched strangers, Louise. Well, Loretto, I, uh, that's, that's so beautiful. I would, I'd say it's those strangers who are the reason for this podcast. Well, more people need to hear the story. So this is good. Yeah. And, and so many of them wrote, and I hope that they will share this with other people whom they know, because who would have ever imagined the lives that were impacted by, you know, one person. I think we see that in our society regularly you know sadly it oftentimes is something really tragic but there can be so much goodness and it's um, folks who are so willing to read you know every day and pray every day and then just like i was being impacted by them to allow their lives to be impacted by this yeah it's incredible it's only human beings who can do that you know, where we emotionally impact each other. Well, you know, we talked a little bit, I think, before this started, just about kind of where we are today on these virtual, you know, meetings and how authentic things have become, right? More real and connected. I think, Louise, that, you know, five years ago, your words were so raw, but so authentic, and people were not used to that. You know, look at how people treat social media, and it is, it is the narrative that people want to see of a perfect life and all the great celebrations and stories. And you, you went online and said, this is raw, this is painful, this is challenging. I'm scared, my boy who I love, I want him to have the life that he was designed to have. And, and you were so raw and honest, which I think is just at that time was not what people had, had seen yet. And I, I think we're seeing it now because we're forced in this world where, okay, you're in people's, you know, living rooms with their kids and all that. But I think five years ago, it was much more of a polished button up approach to the, to the narrative that people wanted to share. And I think part of what made your sharing your story so important is that it was real and everybody goes through these, you know, hard times. I don't you know, necessarily say they're as challenging as what you and Archer have gone through, but, but I would say you, you were open to share that, which I think is just beautiful. Well, it's um, something that you said earlier. There seemed no other way we needed, I needed you, I, I needed others. And I, I really, really needed to feel God. I, I uh, one of the things that I learned throughout that first year journey was some of my prayers were, you know, oh, you know, God, you know, can you do this? And praying to God is if I'm having a conversation, I still feel that way. 
but my but my prayer changed to god help me feel your presence that you're always with me not like a oh god where are you no that that's not the prayer where where are you you know come be with her come <laughs> no god's always there it was help me remove my blinders so i can feel your presence which is here all along it was a really really different prayer i mean do you feel that you know july five years ago versus you know july where we are today um that your connection to prayer is different i mean i do it's um i mean i just i'm really blessed with the with a wonderful upbringing of um you know deep faith but not um you know i don't know about you but as a as a little catholic girl i i knew nothing about the bible you know maybe some the stories we'd hear you know in the homilies and things like that but everything in my growing up would have been infused with it wasn't about jesus it was just it was more about god and being a good person and being of service to other people and but for the grace of god there go i and you know um you have you have an able body then you use it you know to help other people you know idle idle hands you know the work of the devil right. you know, we all and there are just so many expressions and so i've i've always felt very close to god um, i've always prayed to god as if god was right here sitting next to me or i was sitting next to him i i toyed over the years with maybe god was a was a her but i still had this you know big old man in my imagination like some young children do and that was you know my image as well but my prayer did change in the way that it, it wasn't um, a, a come Lord and, and heal us. It was more of Lord, help me remove whatever is the barrier. I'm the barrier to your healing grace and love. That, that, that's what changed. It's not, not how hard do I have to pray to make sure God comes and try and get his attention. Yeah. Or how do I remove the barriers in my own humanity that get in the way of the divinity? Yeah. I, I think that that in itself is, is part of your story, right? Is, is how you've, channeling of where you found new places including your relationship right with god not just with your family and your friends but i find that fascinating and and but you know i would say that that came through your your, your messages and your writing because mm -hmm. if you go through and, and and it was five years ago but i remember there were times when you talked openly about how you're praying and asking god and questioning right and i think all of us do that when we go through a crisis and so it was so healthy to to follow you on that journey to, to sometimes for all of us, when we have our own doubts and you were, you were, you were throwing them out there, you know? 
Yeah, because um, the yeah the crazy roller coaster ride up and down. You know what has what's also happened subsequent to that, Loretto, and, and part in some ways what you're asking about is I have where I am now <clears throat> with you know so so much ahead of me, breadth and depth for what I yearn for in my spiritual development. I'm so open to all the ways that God, who is the source of everything, is manifested. I do think of, for me, another real, and I'm curious if, if where you are with the Order of Malta. When I became a member of the Order of Malta, um, I didn't, I didn't really kind of realize kind of what was happening um you know the couple years it takes and formation and all those kinds of things but they they were more events on a calendar a social uh, like a like a retreat event i really didn't realize that i was in a process mainly with our trips to lords of experiencing faith in a way that I had not even given what we've been talking about in this interview. This, I'm, I'm just having this feeling right now that, in fact, I, I kind of like, I'm getting warm just thinking about it. I think maybe, maybe I realized the power of collective prayer because of the Order of Malta when we would be in that underground church yeah. with, I don't know how many thousands. I think it's 30,000 in seats. 30,000 people all saying the same prayer, singing the same song in, you know, 60 different languages and feeling it. Yeah. Like it, like, like in some crazy ways, I was, it was being prepared for something if it were to happen in my life and, and knowing what to do. I, I think really that that's when I really experienced it. And probably it may not have been a cognitive, you know, prefrontal cortex kind of decision. Like I'm going to remember those power prayer is very important. I'm going to call upon a lot of people and, you know, see what happens. It's, but I knew it. I felt it. I felt it. And so when you sent out your, email in response to my text to you I think I knew how powerful that was I think that's what I that's what I meant when I had said earlier you were in a very important position with Malta then as well not that they would not have not heard, right, from any member. Um, but there you were as the hospitaler of our region and also a board member of the whole federal association. Because I know there were hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of members of the order. Well, yeah, so we've got, there's, at that time, and I think we're still around, around hovering like around 900 to 1,000 members in the federal association. 
But when I did send that email out, I copied other hospitalers from other regions. So I know that the Atlanta region, like they reached out to you and embraced you when, um, you know, Archer was at Shepherd. Um, right. We had Columbus, we had Charlotte, we had Jacksonville, we had Lancaster. I mean, all of those um, hospitalers. And for those that are listening, a hospitalator for a region is like a, a vice president of a region, um, kind of a, a in this um, secular kind of perspective. But um, they, every time I would send anything out, they would always come back and say, we've notified our region as well. Like, because I think the thing about the Order of Malta too, which is one of the reasons why I love being a member, one answering kind of a, a pursuit of my faith and of a journey of caring and, 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 you know, taking care of others, which is part of our mission. But the other is, it's, it really is a family. And when people heard that one of our own was suffering. I, I hope that that's what you also felt too, is that everyone collectively was like, one of our own who we love and is suffering, we are, we're, we're trying, we can't touch you right now, but we're trying to reach you and let you know that we're here for you. And so you're 50 members in Baltimore, but collectively, federal association wise, you had over a thousand in the federal association. I know that through Michelle and Harry, they had notified people at the Holy Family Hospital and at the, the international level. So I, I just think that you had such love coming your way because you are a member of a family, uh, an extended family of faith. And, and so hopefully that's what you felt. It is. And um, it explains that when we also arrived in Atlanta within hours you know, who walks through the the door of our room in the ICU, but Monsignor Dillon, yeah. you know, and I, and it was so out of place for me. I'm like, I, I know, I'm like, Monsignor Dillon, and I was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, my dear, I live here. <laughs> I only knew him in France. <laughs> Yeah, because your place was him was in France, right? Like that's where you saw him. That's so funny. Right. It was just uh, so. Thank you, thank you for that, Loretto. Because and then all of the other beautiful, wonderful uh, gestures of kindness and love and prayers of those who are in Atlanta, who are who are Malta. Louise, I mean, you give as I as we started this interview, you give such love. And so it was just coming back to you. Thank you, Loretto. Love you, sweetie. I love you too. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you. It's really been a joy. Thank you for listening to this special bonus episode and our last bonus episode for now. You can hear the longer version of this conversation with Loretto on our Patreon page visit www.patreon.com backslash blink of an eye pod to find out more and to become a Patreon patron. Season two begins next week. Sending love. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Listen on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.